Welcome to Grace Calvary Chapel of San Antonio, Texas, with senior pastor and teacher Joe Marquez. Today's sermon was recorded on Sunday, November 15th. Special guest Michael Petit will be in the book of Acts, chapter 7, verses 51 through 60. The title of this sermon is Drop the Stones. Here's Michael Petit. Well, we're actually picking this story up at the end of it, but so what I want to do is kind of we're going to do kind of like a quick look at chapter 6 and some of 7 to kind of give you an understanding of what the context is of the scripture. Uh, normally when Pastor Joe teaches, we do verse by verse, chapter by chapter, as Mike said last week. So for us to do topical teachings, we do do them. It's not that often that we do them. But they are important that we, we kind of, you know, it's always funny because Joe tells us, okay, well, whatever the Lord places on your heart. And I was reading Acts of the book of Acts, and this is really something that hit me, and, um, and and there's some areas in my heart that need work, some areas that have gotten callous, that have gotten hard to feel, and uh, and so when I share this with you, trust me, I've been through this this week, and uh, there are some things I need work on, and uh, so I, I think it's very easy sometimes to to go, you know what, I'm just going to you know, I, I'll just share this, and, and uh, you know, I've done it in the men's study. It seems like every time we teach, we learn what we teach that week. It's hard. So Pastor Joe, imagine he does it twice a week. <laughs> so I'm looking forward for Joe to be back. I miss him. Um, you know, praise God, they got to go to Russia. It's, it's not an easy thing right now. And they got through, and, and they were able to share the gospel. You know, so praise God for that. And praise God that, uh, that he is our senior pastor and teaches here. Because I learned from Joe. This is, I started in this church seven years ago. And that's my overseer. He will always be my overseer. It's a blessing to call him a brother. And uh, I think that's kind of what the scripture was pulling on my heart is because in a fellowship we're supposed to be brothers and sisters. We're supposed to be family, to be there for each other, to care for each other. And the Lord places that on our hearts. And, and during this time, the disciples, if we looked in, at, at chapter 6, they were in a place where they were multiplying. They were growing so quickly, so, so fast, that the daily distribution wasn't being handled properly. They, they just, it was being neglected. And they needed men. And so they, they, they told them, the disciples said, go pick out some men. And uh, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, with a good reputation. And so Acts chapter 6, verse 5 says, and, and, and uh, after they said that, we, we were like, we need to continue to, to focus on prayer and the Word of God. So uh, go grab the men, and it says, and, and they same pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. So we see here that Stephen is a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit before he was called to be a deacon. Before he was called to step up and serve, he was already doing it. He was already doing it. And so a title really doesn't mean anything. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ. We all serve. A title means nothing. It's just what it is. You know? We're all servants of God. We've all been called to serve. And and Brandon had it and hit it right on the head when he... You know, hit Ephesians 10, it's in the pastor's pen when you get a chance to read it later. It says for, you know, Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, created for good works, 
Why did God create you? For good works. To do, to do what he's called you to do. To advance the gospel. And that's what Stephen was doing. It says here in, in verse 8, it says, And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. So he was already doing these things. But there were some people that were there that got upset. And, and they were in the synagogue. And in and, and, and verse 10 it says, And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. So they knew what he spoke was truth. But what it says in verse 11 is they secretly induced men to say that we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. So they brought false witnesses against him, even though he was speaking, speaking the truth. And in verse 15 it says, And all who sought in the council, and now when you think about this council, you need to think about this in a... In a way, of these are elderly men. These are men like in Congress, in the Senate. That's how old these guys are. They know the Old Testament backward and forth. They know, they know the law. And yet, they're going to they're gonna listen to Stephen at this point and, and try him. But it says in that verse, Look steadfastly on him, at him, and saw his face as the face of an angel. So he has the Holy Spirit. What is the reflection they see? They don't see Stephen. Right? And really that's what we're supposed to do. People shouldn't see us. They should see Christ. And so basically what happens is Stephen is accused at this time, but what ends up happening is he's not defending himself like we would do. Right, we go to court, we want to defend ourselves, right? They were wrong. I'm not going to have false charges brought against me. I'm defending myself. I'm just defending my integrity, my character. You know what does Stephen do? He preaches the Word of God. Because he wanted them to know who Jesus was. And, and he starts, as he goes into chapter 6 and 7, he, he starts talking about, he goes through the whole, the whole Testament. He goes through the whole thing and he talks about not only Abraham struggled and had, a, had a, a problem with being obedient, but Abraham was an example of one who grows in faith and obedience. And then he, he mentions Joseph. And he, and he gives the picture of Joseph and, and being rejected, just like Jesus, by the sons of Israel. And it says that God was with Joseph. So now what he's trying to do is he's trying to show that, that the temple, God's not just in the temple. God's not just in this church. God is with you everywhere you go. That's what he's trying to get them to understand. See, God was with Joseph in jail when he was put there for being innocent. God was with them. And then he goes on to talk about Moses and his miraculous birth. Kind of sounds like Jesus, right? He's referring them back to Jesus and how he was rejected by Israel twice. But see, God had other plans and, and placed Moses in charge. And when God met with Moses at the burning bush, it wasn't at the temple. It wasn't at the temple. And so he's trying to get them to understand and, and see that, look, y'all have rejected prophets. You have rejected 
John the Baptist, you have killed them. You have killed Jesus. And yet, you think that God exists in the temple, made by man's hands. And that's what he says in verse 48. He says in Acts 7, verse 48, he says, However, the Most High does not dwell in the temples made with hands as the prophets say. Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. What house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what place of my rest? Has my, uh, has my hands not made all these things? And see, he's telling them, look, those temples were made with your hands. The veil was torn when Jesus died. God was available. Jesus is available for everybody. Even those Muslims right now. And I know a lot of people don't want to hear that. But that's Saul, who became Paul. The Apostle Paul. It's a hard thing to hear. Especially if you fought in combat against them. But God doesn't call me to hate my brother. I watched the thing where they, they showed two of the guys where they came from. They come from poverty, man. Two of the brothers that, that did the atrocities in Paris, they come from poverty. They have nothing. They need Jesus. They think the only answer is this. They need Jesus. Just like here in the United States, we need more of Jesus and less of this stuff. We're so focused on, on chaos in this place. And God puts chaos into order. Just like the song says. And see, I, I, I did the same thing. When, when, when I look at this verse, and, and as we get into 51, it says, You stiff neck, uncircumcised in hearts, you always resist the Holy Spirit. You always resist the Holy Spirit. I resisted the Holy Spirit for 39 years. 39 years. And, you know, I always thought my sin would be like a, a weight scale. Good and bad. My good will outweigh my bad. Right? My good, my bad today would... Jeez Louise. You know, I, I, I look at that now and I say, man, thank God I know what Jesus did on the cross. You know, because I, I didn't deserve, didn't deserve any, anything that the Lord has blessed me with. But see, what happens is we have these images of God in our minds, especially as kids growing up as teenagers. We think, well, God is this, this God with a magnifying glass, and he's just setting me up to burn me up. Or God is this, this God that's too big for me, like he has other problems in the world. Like there's a war, a war going on in Syria. He doesn't have time for me. That's what I thought. The worst part of it is, is I didn't have a mother and father that, that knew Jesus Christ. They knew a Catholic religion. We never talked about, I didn't know why Jesus died on the cross. I knew he died on the cross. Didn't know why. I knew that there was a resurrection, but didn't understand what the resurrection was about. And so what ends up happening is, is you, you forget that these things need to be talked about in your homes. With your kids, 
You can't figure out why there's chaos in your house. It's because there's no Jesus in the house. He only exists in the temple on Sunday. That's a hard one to swallow right there because that's the reality of what happens is some of you only get the Word of God on Sunday. God only exists on Sunday. Your kids only see you open the Bible or or pray on Sunday. They don't see it the other six days of the week. They don't see you living it out. And that's, that's the sad part is because, you know, in, in that word grace, that's what I found is grace with God. And, and it's not that acronym that everybody, you know, everybody can, God's riches at Christ's expense. Yeah, that's great. But I, don't, I didn't know what grace was. You know, I found out what grace was. It was one word, Emmanuel, God with us. I learned that God was with me through everything that I had been through. That he exists with us, for us, and that he died and, and, and was rose from the dead so I could have a new life, an abundant life, to serve him. But I struggled with all that. I struggled with trying to understand who Jesus was. I ran to the man-made things just like the temple. I had my own idolatry in my life. You know, it's, it's sad because we see things that happen in this world like Paris or, or somebody getting sick with cancer. And, and it just takes people away from the Lord. They start blaming God. Or they start running to man-made idolatry like pornography or money or their jobs. Or they place a person in their life in idolatry, the husband or wife. And it's just rebelling against God. It's sin. And so what we find out is I was no different than the council. I, I had the stone in my hand too. I found out that I needed Jesus too. And the reality was is that I sat in this church and I started learning why the world is the way it is. Because it's, it's sin entered the world. It's cursed. That's why we have diseases and war. You know, Mike talked about what is your purpose, what is your meaning, you, and, and people struggle with these things. And what does the cross represent? It represents that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. You know, if you look at the, 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 the title of this, is Drop the Stone, Rocks, Religion, Relationship. And that first part is resisting the Holy Spirit. It's coming to a place of saying, you know what? I'm not going to walk in sin anymore. I'm going to start walking with Christ and repenting from that and asking God to come into our lives. Because it's in Scripture. It tells you. And I was like, I didn't know this. I walked through those doors and, and I didn't know this. I didn't know that there was none righteous, no, not one in Romans 3.10. I didn't know that in Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. One sin. One. One lie. I, one lie, man. I did, man, back before Christ, I did probably a thousand lies in a day. One lie, and that's death. Right? 
But I want you to check out the second part of that verse in, in Romans 6.23. It says, But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Right? Romans 10.9 says, But if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in, in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you'll be saved. Jesus saved me at my lowest point in my life. Three AM on January eleventh, two thousand nine. Twenty two years of marriage separation. I was verbally abusive to my wife. Not physically, verbally. And verbally is just as bad, guys. I gave my life to the Lord. After watching a goofy movie called Fireproof. After sitting in here for almost two months of acting like everything was okay. I was broken inside. And God got a hold of me. I stopped resisting the Holy Spirit. I stopped resisting the Holy Spirit, just like it says there. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Your heart becomes callous. The more time that you spend doing, doing sin... Sadly, your heart becomes hardened. It's like playing the guitar. Learning to play the guitar. You have, to, you have to make calluses. You have to form blisters and make calluses in order for you to play the guitar. It's painful. But eventually you lose feeling in those fingers so you can play for long periods of time. And that's what happens when we do sin for so long. We get that hardened heart. And, and sadly, I mean, when I look at this, it's like I said, I, I would have been right there, you know, it, uh, with the rock in my hand. And some of you today have it in your hand when you walk through these doors. You haven't given your life to the Lord. Because you're still resisting the Holy Spirit. You still think there's something better out there for you. You could have been sitting in a restaurant in Paris and your life would have ended yesterday or two days ago. You just would have been going to dinner. The next face you see is Jesus. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. You don't make your decision here. Your decision's made for you. That's how it is. The reality is, if I wouldn't have given my life to the Lord, I would have been in hell. That's the truth. And I made that decision. Not Jesus. I made it because of my hardened heart. Because I resisted the Holy Spirit for all those years. And so it says, and you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in the heart, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did so. So they killed his reminding them that they killed the prophets, they killed John the Baptist, they just killed Jesus. Which the prophets did, the fathers did not, uh, not persecute, and they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one, which is another name for Jesus Christ, of whom now you have become the betrayers and murderers. Who have, you, have you received the law by the direction of the angels, and you haven't kept it yourself? So he's reminding them, look, you've received the law, and you didn't keep it. You didn't keep it yourself. And so as we look at that, 
that next part, what we see is that we see the religion part of it now. And we see that in verses 54, it says, When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed at him with their teeth. So now we get into the religion part. We get past the rocks and, and those who haven't given their life to the Lord. And now we get to the religion. And the religion is the really hard part because these are people who are supposed to be walking with the Lord. But it says that they were what? Cut to the heart. Cut to the heart. And this, this verse really gives a picture of two things that are going on. Because if you look at verse 55, it says, But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing at the right hand of God, and said, Look, I see the heavens open up, and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. So we see a picture of two things. We see men that are following a religion. We see good versus evil. Right? We see heaven versus hell. And so what ends up happening is, is we see somebody who's really following Christ and people that are not following Christ, that have their flesh allowing to lead them. And so what, ends up, what we end up seeing here is that it, it, it's a picture of, of just, if you put, Jesus, if you put uh, Stephen on trial at this moment, just by reading the scriptures, you know that this man loves the Lord, that he's living for the Lord. There would be no question that Stephen is reflecting Christ in his life. And the council is reflecting the enemy, the world. And in our lives, in our walks, we do the same thing. We have this man-made religion. We do things where we start allowing religion to enter into the church. And we, we were talking about those man-made things. And it's funny because he, he says in that verse, he talks about... You know, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed their teeth. And, and we talk about the stiff-necked people in the verse before. So they're stiff-necked, they gnashed their teeth. This all happened with Moses when they built the, the golden calf. They rejected Moses. They couldn't wait on the Lord, so they said, you know what, let's build something here. Let's start worshiping that. And so that's what happens. And unfortunately, when we get impatient in our walks with the Lord, we start taking matters into our own hands. And we start trying to make things happen. And yet, when we're cut to the heart by Scripture, we do nothing with it. We don't do anything with it. When the Lord has given us something and say, look, this is an area of your heart that needs work. And let me tell you something. I have been in this church when Joe is preaching, and I mean, I, something he gives you is just like, Wow. I need to work on that. I'm not speaking in love when I speak to my wife. I don't do that all the time. But see, if I'm resisting the Holy Spirit and I become hard of hearts and I don't allow God to work in my heart, I start becoming religious. I start thinking I'm already too good. I don't need to, I don't need to work on those things. I'm good to go. And so what ends up happening is we, we, we do see that Stephen is sharing the Word of God with them, but we also know that in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12, it says, For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged, two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul 
and of the spirit of the joints and the marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. That's what God's Word does. It discerns the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And so if God is saying, look, I've, got, I've given you something that cuts your heart, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? Are you going to walk out of here and go, you know what? I'll see church on Sunday. I'm going to act the way I want to act in the next six days of the week. Because church only exists on Sunday for me. God only exists on Sunday for me. And that's how a lot of us act. What happens is we, we live in, in what they call the individual age or the individual era. Everything's about Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and look at me and look what I've done and give me my likes and be friends with me and follow me. And we're worried about our followers, but we don't worry about who's following Jesus. We're worried about how many followers do I have, how many likes do I have, but we don't even care that the person next to us doesn't know Jesus Christ. And so it ends up, we have this, this, and it's sad because they talked about it, and they talked about the brokenness and the loneliness in this era. That you're not happy. That you're feeling it. You have more stuff than any other generation. You have more technology than any other generation. You're living longer than any other generation. And yet you are the most medicated than any other generation. And you are the most unhappy than any generation because you don't know Jesus. Your joy doesn't come from the Lord. It comes from stuff, from technology. You're not happy. And, and God's saying, I'm right here. I've always been here. Stop resisting me. Stop resisting me. And in this, this age, we see Christians getting upset over Starbucks cups. You know, it's sad because the reality is, is that Starbucks never put anything Christian on their cups. So why would you expect them to? That's persecution, is what somebody put on Facebook. I've been persecuted by Starbucks. Sadly, that's not. Um, you've been called to be a light in a dark world. Uh, our, our Man Up conference, we've done it for two years, and praise God that we've been able to do it. It's been such a blessing. But our first meetings that we had were at Starbucks. Bibles open praying that's what you should be at Starbucks there was a group of ladies that met for VBS or for some meeting and uh, they were there they were praying and they're from this church I know because I know the story I know who it came from and um, they were praying they prayed before the meeting and somebody from the car saw them praying that person came in and told them what their situation was and said, hey, if, when you get a chance, if you could pray for me. And instead of walking away, they prayed for that lady right there. That's what you're supposed to be in Starbucks. Right? Look, you can't run away to, to go hang out. Well, I'm just going to be at Chick-fil-A and in and out I'm only going to go to these Christian events. You've been called to be a light in a dark place. You've been called to share the gospel in a dark place. 
And so we can allow religion to and legalism to come into our, our walks, and we have to be very careful with that. And at the same time, we have to understand that, look, you know, Stephen, it says that being, but he is being full of the Holy Spirit. Stephen was living it out. And it was even living it out in suffering. He's fixing to get pelted with stones. And here he is in Romans 5, 3-5. Three, three it, it, for me, I love this verse because, you know, Paul is, saw all this. And you wonder where Paul, how much of times did he remember Stephen writing? That's one of the questions I would love to find out. You know, when, when we get to heaven, it's just to you know, find out how much of that, that persecution that changed Paul's heart, that he saw. But in Romans 5.3 it says, More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering what produces endurance. Endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope that does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given, it, uh, been given to us. So see, Stephen didn't put his life on cruise control. The other part is that some people, they become elder Christians, and I hate that term. You are a follower of Christ. You are not an elder Christian. You are a Christian. Okay? Got to stop using that. We got to stop using Christian terms because it throws people off. They don't know what you're talking about. But as an elder Christian, what happens is sometimes we start treating it like we're on cruise control. We check out. We check out. We're like, okay, well, I've already done all that stuff. I've 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 checked off my spiritual bucket list. I've gone on a mission trip. I've taught in the children's ministry. You know, we start checking it off. And then we go, you know what? There's nothing else the Lord can show me. I'm not going to serve anymore. I'm good to go. I'm, I'm ready for heaven. Just, Lord, take me up. I'm already reflecting Christ. I'm, and that's what happens. And, and what, would, what should happen is that, that you should always be wanting to dig deeper and wanting to challenge the Lord. It's like, I, I, I love, you know, I'm, I'm, and I'm white as a ghost, but... Um, I listen to Christian hip-hop. I love listening to those guys because they, they share the Word of God, man, to a generation that's not getting it. Because let me tell you something. The generation that my mom and dad had, they, they didn't teach it. They didn't live it. They didn't share it with me. And guess what? I didn't share it with my kids until they were all 17, 16, 17 and, and so sadly what ends up happening is we, 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 we get away from sharing the Word of God, but one of, the, one of the guys said, you know what's wrong is too many Christians dream in black and white. They don't dream in color. God can do amazing things. He just needs you to be an open vessel. He's saying, look, I, I, you, you, I love the verse in Isaiah because he's saying, you know, we're always complaining about, well, why is it like this? And why are they not doing that? And why, where is God in this situation? And God's saying, I want to send you. I want to send you to Europe right now and share the gospel. I want to send you to go and, and preach to those, the, the refugees that are, are flooding into Europe right now that have been persecuted and they need to know that Jesus loves them. And they're not asking for somebody to go, you know what, 
I'll pray for you. Because that's what the council would do that Stephen was talking about. What they're saying is, I need somebody to go and say, you know what, you're hungry, we'll feed you. You need prayer, let's pray for you. It's, it's doing. It's action. Challenging yourself. There are so many ministries, and we won't go into all the ministries that need, that need servants, but one of the things that I would love for you to pray about in 2016, I'm not asking you to do it now, because if I ask you to do it now, you may do it because you feel like you're guilted into doing it. But I'm asking you to go home and pray and ask God, is there somewhere in the church you'd like me to serve? The man that pastors this church started with the gift of helps, stacking chairs. And now he's planted a church in San Antonio. And he's a senior pastor. Stacking chairs. God takes and builds up. Gives us a little bit and gives us a little bit more. But you've got to have that heart of wanting to, to, to say, you know what, Lord, I want to know more about you. I want to do more of your work. I don't want to spend my day watching, binge watching a series on Netflix. I can't even believe that's a, a word. To spend a weekend laid up on a couch, stinky, because you're not even taking a shower, and you're just watching 17 episodes of a TV show. And that's happening. Y'all laugh about that, but that's going on right now. That's the generation. We got more people excited about Hunger Games and, and Star Wars than we have about anything else in the church. They can tell you what day that comes out. But they need to know the Word of God. That's what they need. And it says that... Uh, but then filled with the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And, and I always think of, of the armor of God when I, when I read this because, man, Paul uses stand firm, stand. He uses it over and over in that, in that verse. But in, verse, in Ephesians 6, chapter 6, verses 10 through 20, when you get time to read it, I would tell you to read it. It's a great verse to read, especially in times like what we're going through right now. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. The problem is, is we are too strong in self because we're the individual, you know, we're the individual era. We want to be, it's all about me and selfies. And the point when you have selfie sticks, we're in trouble. We got issues at that point. My dad, I already know my father. My father would grab the stick and go throw that in the trash. That's how my dad was. My dad's very old school. But it's, we have to understand that we don't do things in our strength. It's in the Lord's strength and in his might. And then in verse 12, I think it's very important because it says, Stand against the schemes of the devil, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. The enemy, when he's talking about wrestling... How many of y'all, most of y'all probably already know that that girl lost last night in UFC. Oh, I know all the young kids do. Yeah, and all. They see, they know. And so on. But at the end of the day, we wrestle. That's hand-to-hand combat. If, if you're military, you know that. Because you go through that part of the training, hand-to-hand combat. That's close quarters. And that's why God is saying, put that armor on. Stephen, you... You see Stephen, and you see these pieces of armor. You can, you can look at each piece of that armor. It was on him. 
And Paul wrote this. He had that peace. He was able to, to use the Word of God. In his faith, his shield, you know, that, as it says in the shoe of, and, uh, and as your shoe, shoes uh, for your feet, having put the readiness given by the gospel of peace. So he's sharing the gospel in peace. He's not gnashing his teeth, right? In all circumstances, take up the shield. And I think what happens is so many people, they, they, their shield is supposed to be able to cover their, and their shield is like that big. Now see, that, that's their faith. That's my belief in God. What fiery trials, and, and, and well, it tells you right there, what fiery trials are going to come and, and uh, extinguish the flaming darts of the enemy. What kind of darts you think you're going to stop with this? Like this. The world starts coming, you, you know, you start having issues with the kids, things are going bad, and you're sitting there going, you're not spending time in the Word of God. You're not spending time in prayer. God only exists to you here on Sunday. And you, you got issues in your marriage or, or the kids are driving you crazy and you may have gone through a death this year. Someone close to you. And you're completely, your world's completely falling apart. Or maybe you've, you know, you've been told you've been... You, you know, you got cancer or something, or, or something's going on there, and, and you just don't know that faith. We need to be full of faith. Focused on Jesus. Just as uh, Stephen was. And it says, standing at the right hand of God. We, it, it, the context doesn't tell us why Jesus was standing. I find it amazing that when we talk about seeing the, the armor of God, we see Him stand firm. You know, you see it time and time again of standing because, look, you're going to have to hold your ground. You're going to have to stand firm in the faith because you think that these are dark times. They're coming. Your kids are going to see darker times than you saw. And so you have an opportunity at this moment if you don't know the Lord, to, to, to come to a place where you can change a generation to follow the Lord. Like my kids, they all have, you know, praise God, they've given their life to the Lord. All five of them. That's all the Lord. And I'm hoping that my grandchildren, I don't want any right now, so please, if my kids, uh, Dad is still, God is working on my patience with little ones. But it's the hope that the grandkids come up knowing Jesus. So when those times do get dark, they know who to run to. Just like Stephen. Stephen says, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And so when you look at being religious and, and religion, Pastor Chuck shares it real quickly. And I'll share it real quick with you. It's real fast. and it's, you, you can either be a cop or you can be a paramedic. Legalists are full of faith. What happens is we start becoming cops. We start looking. You know, a cop, when you have an accident, the first thing he's going to do is start taking pictures. He's going to start trying to measure out where the skid marks were. And, and, okay, let me get your story. Let me get your story. And then he's going to go, okay, who's the ticket go to? Who's the blame here? What does the paramedic do? 
They're just trying to keep you alive till you get to the hospital. And Pastor Chuck asked that in the Calvary Chapel Distinctives book. And he asked, we need more paramedics in the church. Because this is a church, every Calvary Chapel is a restoration. We want to see people restored. To be able to walk away from their sin and, and be restored in Jesus Christ and live for the Lord. That's what it's all about. And so when we become religious and we start saying, I can only worship to, to hymn music or I can only worship to, you know, I only like it when such and such sings or so and so teaches. It's not about you. It's about God. About God being glorified in worship. That's what it's about. And so we need to be careful with that. So are you a cop or a paramedic? Are you the counsel or are you Stephen? And so lastly, we look at just the relationship here of calling on God in Acts chapter 7, verses 57 through 60. It says, Then they cried out with a loud voice. They stopped their ears. So just like the song Brandon sung, the first song, they stopped listening. Brandon's asking you to do what? Open your ears. Open your heart. Make my heart believe, right? That's the song of worship today. That's a beautiful song. Because there are times when we don't believe. Times when we're struggling with belief. And so, you see that they, they ran at him with one accord. They cast him out. Imagine them old men running at him all at one time. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And they witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. That's Paul. And they stoned Stephen, and he was calling on God. In your relationship with the Lord, the thing that's going to help you with your relationship with the Lord is, are you calling on God? In those times when it seems like the wheels have come off, in the house, with the kids, with the finances, with work, Are you calling on God? Or what are you calling? Who are you calling? Because most of you got these things. You'll call everybody else, but you won't call on God. Right? Let me call everybody else on here. But we need to be like Stephen, calling on God. Calling on God. Stephen had the fruit of the Spirit that time. In Galatians 5.22 it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, patience, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and against such things there is no law. And also, Stephen was looking to God. He was looking to God. In Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, says, if you, if you have been raised with Christ, seek things that are above, that, that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Don't focus on the things on this earth. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses said they laid down their clothes. So the false witnesses were there. And, you know, so Paul was right there as all this is happening. And Stephen's calling out. He goes, Lord, receive, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Sounds a lot like Jesus, right? In Luke chapter 23, verses 46. And Jesus calling out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. It's funny that the things that Stephen uses in this verse, in these verses, is the same similar things that Jesus said. He was following who Jesus was. Doing the things that Jesus did. 
is being authentic, an authentic Christian. Not being fake. Not saying, I'll pray for you, and then you get in your car and you forgot all about that person and never prayed for them. Because that happens way too often. Pray for that person in that moment. Being authentic about your faith. Living it out. So when they see you and, and things are going crazy around you, you're not acting a fool. You're not acting like the council, getting all angry and mad and gnashing your teeth. That you're there in love. Full of faith. And so, we see the last little part here is it says, then he knelt down. This is very important because the stones back in those times, when they threw those stones, when you were guilty, they would throw a big stone like this one. Matthew got me all these stones, my son. So I don't know if he wanted to hit me with them because he would always bring me stones all the time. So I don't know if he was ready to stone dad and he just had enough of me. But they would hit you with a big stone like that. And when I hit you with one of these... You're gone. So when you knelt down, you were guilty. That means that you were saying, okay, the council was right, I'm guilty. But see, what happens is you see that Jesus, what, he, what you see that happens is Stephen, then he knelt down. So that means Stephen was saying, I'm innocent. He stood. And so what Stephen would have got, he would have got thrown rocks at his chest and his head until he felt down and knelt. And that way the council was what? Right. Imagine you getting hit time and time again and yet you're still reflecting Christ. And we get upset about Starbucks cups. Sadly. It's like, where are we at? Where are we at? We should be getting upset that there are going to be millions that die today. Because that's, you know, death is coming. That don't know Jesus Christ. That don't know the Lord. That never made a choice to, to follow Christ. And so Stephen's getting hit time and time again. And what does he say? He says... And he knelt down, and Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he said this, he fell asleep. And it sounds again just like Jesus. In Luke 23, 34, it says, And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And the same thing in the cast lots to divide his garments. And, and, and so we see Stephen being obedient all the way to death. Glorifying God, not Stephen. Glorifying God, not Stephen, all the way to death. All the way to death, living it out. Pastor Chuck wrote this, and I love this, because it says, And when he said he fell asleep, now referring to the end of life of a, of a Christian, the Bible usually uses the phrase fall asleep. Because what happens to a Christian is different than what happens to a sinner. Christians do not really die. There, there is a transition that takes place, but they're still alive, Jesus said. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die, John eleven twenty six. So it would be wrong to say that Stephen died because he believed in Jesus and in the promise that he will never die. 
And so the question I ask you today is, are you still resisting the Holy Spirit? Have you made this temple on Sunday just the only time that you spend with God? Has it become a religion to you? You're just going through the motions every week. Thank you so much. Well, that concludes today's study in the book of Acts, chapter 7, verses 51 through 60. The title of this sermon was Drop the Stones with special guest Michael Petit. If you'd like to download the free Grace Calvary Chapel app, all you do is search Grace Calvary Chapel under the Apple iOS store or the Android Play Store. And you can download and listen to free sermons from Pastor Joe Marquez. Senior Pastor and Teacher Joe Marquez and the Grace Calvary Chapel family would love to invite you to come visit our church. If you need to get service times or find out about the different ministries that we offer, or maybe you need to get a hold of Pastor Joe Marquez directly through email or by phone, or maybe there's something that's weighing on your heart and you need to submit a prayer request, you can do all of this through our website at www.gracecalvarychapel.org. God bless.